0: Hello and welcome to Grow Up Summer School, an APG Canada podcast where we give strategic thinkers and creative tinkerers opportunities to grow. I'm your host, Michelle Lee, and this week on the show, we are continuing with our series on research. Every day this week, we'll be dropping one new episode each day to give you even more opportunities to grow on everything from how to conduct primary research with zero budget to how to leverage metaphor analysis to today, how to think like a semiotician. Today we'll be talking to you on Andrea Goldman, founder of research consultancy Fabric. Just before we dive in, we'd like to give a special shout out to the team at HotSpecs for sponsoring today's episode. As one of Canada's leading research agencies and supporters of strategic planning, they have shown a keen interest in continuing to help us foster and strengthen Canada's strategic talent. And for that, we thank you. Now let's get into the show. Andrea, if you could please tell us a, a little bit about yourself and about uh, your consultancy Fabric, and then we'd love to hear your five tips on how to think like a semiotician. Thanks again for joining us. Thank you for having me. I'm so,
1: I'm so happy to be here. Um, yeah, so I've been doing semiotics, commercial semiotics for about 15 years, and I can tell your listeners a little bit more about semiotics if they want to know a bit about what it is. Um, but what... What got me into it is I'm very passionate, I guess, and I've always been about looking deeper into the meaning of things, into culture and cultural narratives, mythology, um, sort of how how stories shape um, the behavior of consumers. And semiotics is a great uh, process, technology, tool, um, methodology that enables, enables you to really delve more deeply into culture and understand um, the different kind of um cultural cultural movements that are at work that are sort of inspiring um or activating consumer behavior. Um, so yeah, like you mentioned, I've been um with fabric. I started fabric about three years ago, and we call it fabric. Um, yes, it's a kind of means factory. Um, so it's a little nod to Andy Warhol, but also because it's about um looking at at culture sort of as a tapestry. And the different threads of thought, the different codes, the different symbols that are at play um, and that that weave together to sort of form um, maybe a little picture over here or a pattern over there. And when you sort of deconstruct them and look at them, um, you can gain a deeper understanding of what's what's happening. And then you can open new spaces to um, inspire brands to kind of tell new stories um, or leverage new symbols and... That's, I think what, what is always a lot of fun with semiotics is it's not just an intellectual exercise, but it's, it's really about, um, thinking deeply, using culture as a text. Um, and then once you've sort of gained this understanding, this mapping, um, really about opening new spaces to inspire, um, planners or designers or new product development, um, really kind of anything, uh, in terms of developing a meaningful kind of emotionally resonant space, uh, for a brand. To occupy for, for a brand to tell a story for a brand to kind of forge it, forge its own myth. So that's, that's a bit about me and <laughs> what we do.
0: <laughs> it, it sounds fascinating. And I, I feel like, uh, it maybe at least lives next door to some other, uh, areas of, of study, like anthropology or, or sociology. Can you talk a bit about the relationship maybe between semiotics and those or, or maybe I'm wrong and they're and they're not related at all?
1: No, I mean, semiotics, it, it is a cultural, um, a cultural methodology. It's, it's qualitative, obviously, and it, it draws on a lot of different, um, you know, different fields, different ways of thinking, philosophy, history, really kind of all these different threads, because when you think about it, they all kind of weave together to form how we understand culture, how we think, how we how we move through time and space, uh, past, present, future, um, how we understand things. And I guess you could kind of think about it, uh, maybe, you know, sort of psychology is sort of looking and deconstructing the narratives of the individual, what narratives, um, you know, are, are at work inside of you, you know, what myths potentially um, live inside of you in a personal way. Whereas um, semiotics and, and doing more, you know, anthropology or cultural investigation is really what myths are at play in culture um, in the bigger kind of meta meta frame. And I guess you could think a little bit of the sweet spot is wh- where do those two things come together, and what lives in that space? Um, that's something that I've been thinking about lately a lot, actually. <laughs>
0: uh, I'm I'm fascinated by your use of the word myths in culture. So uh, is is semiotics the study of Things that may or may not be true, or can you talk a little bit more about the word myth? Um, yeah, well, semiotics is the study of
1: symbols um, and it's and signs, so it's really about deconstructing um, the cultural meaning of things. Um, you know, Joseph Campbell talks a lot about myths and, and myths that are at, at play in our in our society, and and there's there's really kind of a parallel between um, yeah how we how how myths are formed and what is a myth, right? And how myths kind of like the ocean can come and go and 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 move through culture in an interesting way. And I think semiotics is really useful at deconstructing what a myth is or how a myth is is working and what a myth means. Um, or or when a myth is necessary. Um I I don't know. I think it's it's really interesting in our culture, especially in American culture, um, where we are right now to think about what myths are are operating um, and what stories are being told, what narratives are being told and where where is there a place where maybe narratives have broken down or there is a there's a gap in myth. Um, you know, uh, a gap in ritual, a gap in, in these spaces and um, why wh- that kind of could, could, could be a reason that there's points of crisis in culture, right? Um, because myth is such a kind of deeply embedded primal um, part of how we navigate the world. Something that's been, you know, with us for, you know, since the, the drawings on the cave is <laughs> yeah. um, how we tell stories. Um, and so semiotics is really a a tool or a technology to to kind of pull the threads apart and see what's operating and see what the codes are, see what the signs are, see what the symbols are, and see what kind of meaning is being held inside of those things. Um, And and what's great about it is you can ask really big questions, right? Like, what does love mean? Sometimes that's very hard to um, articulate uh, by an individual um, but what does it mean in terms of culture, and how does culture actually? You know, we as semioticians believe that culture influences. It's the text that influences um, our action as consumers, our action as people. Um, again, that the kind of stories that underline, embedded stories that are that are at play. Um, and so, you know, it's really it's really a tool for understanding understanding those stories and and helping us open new spaces and tell new stories and what might those look like for brands? Um, and so it's that kind of equal part of, I don't know, deconstruction analysis, cultural analysis, and then tangible inspiration and articulation of, of a new kind of, uh, a new narrative, basically.
0: Did that make sense? Yes, (laughs) yes, yes, absolutely. And, and, um, I find I, it, uh, you know, super interesting because we've been talking to different researchers uh, who have different approaches and schools of thought. You know, actually, just the other day we were speaking to someone about metaphor elicitation, and we, we've got some folks coming up to talk about behavioral science. Um, we have someone who has a background in sociology. I'm curious if there are, you know, as a lot of us strategists listening in here, um, are there particular types of projects which seem to work better for this sort of in- inquiry um, for, for semiotics? What, what should we as strategists keep our eye out for in terms of the types of questions that clients might be asking us for um, to you know, leverage this kind of uh, approach or methodology?
1: Yeah. Um, I mean, I think semiotics is, can, can, can work across the board, but where it's really helpful is sometimes at the beginning of a project. If you have a big space that you're trying to navigate, like I said before, what is love or what does luxury mean? Um, what is the meaning of the city? These kind of big big, big territories. Um, cause you can sort of pull out the different narrative threads, the different codes, the different symbols, um, and then get to a place where once you have that understanding, um, you can kind of inspire new spaces for the brand, you know, and how, how do you create an ownable, um, story or touch point or design then for the brand going from this kind of very large, uh, huge big question that you want to then kind of articulate. So I think at the beginning of a process, when you're kind of trying to map or understand this kind of big, big territory, this big cultural question. Um, and then, yeah, I don't know. It, it's really great again about inspiring kind of tangible design, um, you know, new, new um, white spaces, uh, you know, new product development, So combining that kind of um, big lands, cultural landscape with then, you know, inspirational spaces is is where it usually, uh, you know, works really well. (laughs) But like I said, it can kind of kind of be across the board. And I've worked on so many different projects that have had so many different questions um, to use the methodology. So it's it's very flexible in that way, which is which is cool.
0: Terrific. Um, well, well. Let's let's get into our tips then. Thank you for the introduction. Um, how do we think more like a semiotician? And and maybe if you could weave in there, you know, kind of why we should. Because um, you y- you've alluded to that, but um, I'd, I'd love to touch on that as well. Yeah, I think just yeah. Starting with that, it's I think the more we understand culture and
1: And the bigger kind of narratives that play, the more we understand ourselves, and I think that that's always kind of interesting um uh, the, 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 like we said before, that touch point between where something is um, mythological and then where something is personal and the myths kind of existing or the narratives existing inside of you. So I think there's kind of a a double a, a double benefit, <laughs> and then of course, it serves brands because it really allows you to. I don't see things from a different perspective, right? Um, uh, kind of, uh, uh, you might have been looking at something in one way for a long time and feeling like you're up against the wall. And semiotics is really a way about completely opening new windows, new doors, um, new perspectives, new ways of understanding something, and new ways of creating symbols or meaning or, or narrative. So, I think it in service of a brand, um, it's really great because it allows, yeah, it allows you to completely think differently. Um, so anyway, yes. Um, so first off, um, I would say what's really important is breaking your own narrative frames. Um, I'm a big fan of meditation. So, um, and not just because I think it creates a the better quality of life. <laughs> but um, because it helps you open your mind and you can't really understand new relationships and new ways ways of seeing things and, and seeing the world if your mind's distracted, you know, and full of chaos, if you're stuck in the the same kind of circle, the same kind of loop. And so... Meditation is kind of a personal way to step outside of your own narrative frames, or or look at them and understand what's at work. So that would be my first kind of simple daily tip to maybe bring into your life to try. Um, secondly, I would say you know getting out and getting curious, seeing as much of culture as you can, art, architecture, um, starting to understand where there's synchronicity, where narrative threads align, uh, filling your mind constantly with new stimuli. Um, looking at things that aren't maybe necessarily relevant to your project, um, in a linear way, but that spark your curiosity. A lot of times in our work, um, the, the big ideas, the big insights are not from looking in sector. They're from looking completely outside of sector. Like I said, art, architecture, film, understanding what's happening in all these different cultural, um, buckets and these cultural spaces, um, can really inspire, um, you know, spark your curiosity, go see a play, go see an, you know, an exhibition. So that would be my tip number two. Um, tip number three would be stepping outside of time. I think we're so stuck right now in, um, you know, what's happening now, now, now is, as, as being what's important. But, um, again, a lot of great insight comes from going back to like ancient history, uh, mythology, uh, philosophy really understanding how cultural um, stories and narratives evolve. Um, they're looking at a question like beauty. What does beauty mean? You might want to look at, you know, the ancient Greeks to understand one kind of articulation of beauty or, um, you know, versus just what's happening right now in uh, Instagram. So there's kind of an interesting an interesting thing of, um, going back, uh, into time to understand how things are being articulated now and what's relevant, um, and what we can pull from there. Um, noticing when something moves you, you know, uh, when you pick up a cup, when you grab a door handle, when you're um, in a hotel and you're using the key card, semiotics is not just about that kind of intellectual exercise, as we said before, but it's really about as well, where there's a, uh, A visceral response, a a deeper subconscious, um, primal response that's activated in a consumer, in a person, um, and understanding what that moment is about. Um, so kind of asking questions and, and when you interact with objects, when you interact with a story, um, in, in space and time, um, what, what is that visceral? What's causing that visceral reaction? And, and how is that part of a bigger, a bigger narrative? Um, and kind of elaborating on that, I guess, number five, um, I always say this, um, I call it, um, um, asking if your design has a, has a baby duckling. Cause I was walking in the park. I was walking in the park. I was walking in the park a few weeks ago and there was this, um, little lost, uh, baby duckling and everyone was kind of trying to rescue, um, this baby duckling. Everyone stopped. Um, it didn't matter who, and there was just this kind of, Again, this primal kind of visceral draw to help to to help this baby duckling. And I thought it was really interesting in a way that, um, you know, the best kind of design, the best kind of uh storytelling is something that hits at that primal visceral space um, that we just kind of know and share in a in a deeper subconscious way as as human beings. And so I, I, always thinking about your, your designs or your products or your storytelling and does it have a baby duckling? Um, or is it, you know, is it communicating in that way? So I think those would be my, my five tips. And then if you can travel <laughs> as much as you can and look at other cultures, because that really allows you to see, um, your own and our own with a different, with a different lens and a different, and a different kind of perspective.
0: I'm sure we're all craving that after the last 18 months. Or yeah. 18 <laughs> uh, thank you so much for that very succinct uh, summary of, of how to think like a Semitician. And uh, and then I'm I'm curious, what you know of of the projects you've you've worked on? Can you give us a couple examples of where these tips have really come to life? Um, just love to hear you know how you have, for example. And I'm going to replay back these uh, since I've written them down. Um, maybe you've broken your narrative brain or you've been curious how you've, uh, stepped outside of time, how you have noticed when something moves you or asked whether the design has a baby duckling. Can you give us one or two examples of where you've tangibly leveraged these, uh, these principles? Um, sure. You know what it actually reminds me of? Cause, um, I didn't tell the listeners kind of. How we met years and years ago, <laughs> working on NBC, actually, which was a mm. fascinating project, I thought. And what it meant was hours and hours of watching, like Seinfeld and Friends and The Cosby Show, um, as you we were trying to find a white space for this client. And, and I remember the report and, and I think there were some, I don't remember it word for word, but I imagine that there must have been some really interesting times where you must have stepped outside of time, some of the bigger themes that bubbled up, whether it be about gender, um, you know, racial inequality, um, you know, uh, humor even. Well, maybe that's more Mm -hmm. of a subject than a, than an actual like a cultural theme. Um, but I wonder from from that project, and that was the one that just leapt to my mind. Uh, d- d- if you recall it, were there opportunities there where you might have stepped out of outside of time? Well, that was such a really interesting project
1: because that was very rooted in mythological structure, and it was all about understanding um, the different myths at play and what was working and what was not working, right? Um, or for the different shows, and then from those different mythological threads, which a lot of a lot of them were echoed like all the way back in you know Greek <laughs> Greek narratives for some of them. I remember we were pulling different kinds of pieces and parts. Um, what those how those things laddered up, how those elements laddered up to tell a bigger story for for the network and what that network umbrella story could be really to hold all of the different narrative threads. Um, and that was a really cool project because it was also about being able to predict um, if a show was going to be successful or, or or not, or what 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 was the kind of sweet spot for how um, how how the 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 different elements of mythology came together. So that was very much about going um, back in time, back into mythological mythological um, form to to look at you know TV shows, which was which was super cool. I was just thinking as well. Uh, a project we worked on a few um, few years ago that was really interesting um, was for a a big global uh, uh, beer brand, and it was very much about understanding our relationship to nature and how that has evolved. And that, that that's really relevant both from from the past. You know, you look at our romanticism with nature, but currently where our relationship is with nature as well, um, and the different kind of codes and frames, um, and how the consumer through their interaction with the package where, um, a big mountain element was a, was a key, you know, a key part of the, the, the iconic, um, you know, story of the brand, how that story was being articulated through the consumer on the pack and the pack. And when you think about nature, I mean, as we, as we just said, there's so, so many facets of, um, of, of 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 culture of, of of that we that we need to understand in order to articulate it right and is it a relationship where nature is the mother is it a relationship where nature is um, you know canty and awe um, as you know as we sort of saw where nature can be terrifying and is it a relationship where the consumer is a steward of nature um, so kind of going back and tracing um, through history through um, philosophy. Um, through, through so many different, different, you know, mediums, how our relationship with nature has changed, has evolved where it currently is and what that says and why that's important and what that means for, for brands as well who are, you know, par- partaking in a, a, um, coding or a narrative story, storytelling that is, relies heavily on natural, uh, on nature and the way we articulate nature. So.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And, and do you find that you get a lot of projects where clients are asking you to kind of break down their logo, maybe look historically at the DNA? What do these things mean? Just as you, just as you talked about in terms of, um, you know, that, that mountain, it, it reminds me, you know, good old, Byron Sharp, um, who talked about distinctive brand assets um, and how marketers uh, should be leveraging those. Uh, I I think it's really interesting when you look at a lot of these older heritage brands and you you may or may not know where their logo came from or the significance of them and how that cultural meaning has shifted over the years.
1: Yeah, um, we do sometimes work a lot on on projects where a brand will want to understand, especially an iconic brand... um, we also worked recently on a, a butter, a, you know, a, I guess it's a margarine, um, a margarine brand that was going into a redesign and wanted to understand um, what they they should save, you know, what was iconic, what had meaning and what they they could release and sort of um, articulate in a new way. And when you're taking a brand that has so much heritage, it is very interesting to look at how the narrative has um evolved and what 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 the meaning contains now and where there's space to um you know evolve or tell a new story or um bring in a new uh, a new symbol or a new a new articulation and that was that was kind of a really interesting project in terms of yeah understanding the meaning of the farm right um the meaning of of um of nostalgia and um how do we how do we relate to the farm now and um what does that mean in our society and and where is where is there kind of um you know a resonant emotional space in terms of this brands um you know assets so yeah we do work on a lot of a lot of things like that which is kind of interesting as well
0: <laughs> and and do you find that the cultural meaning or people's understanding are are quite um Macro or meta? I mean, you talked earlier about, you know, travel if you can, but, you know, for example, I'm here in New, in Toronto. You're sitting in New York. There's obviously both very multicultural cities, um, people who have grown up in different surroundings and b- bring different backgrounds and experiences. How much does that impact, um, you know, what you do and how you look at things? Um, it is, there, it, there is a big meta
1: component to it, right? There is a sort of shared, um, shared cultural narrative that happens. And what's interesting, sometimes we'll work on global projects, right? And you might ask a question of what does masculinity mean? That's going to be very different for, you know, a Western, um, uh, U.S. audience than it is for, you know, somebody in Egypt or, um, you know, there's going to be completely different articulations of, uh, and storytelling, Um, someone in China. So the, the, when you get onto the global scale, it's very fascinating to see how uh, semiotic codes and, and mythological structure and and um, you know and, and and all of this kind of there is an interesting deviation or there is it, it is kind of things that are really important to understand and to know. Um, we do a lot of work with Latin America and um, and have worked recently on a, on a bunch of projects in Mexico and and understanding um, brands that. Um, maybe want to move from the Mexican market into the U um, S market and how do they need to shift their way of storytelling or what do they want to keep? What do they want to let go of or, um, you know, really understanding these different frames. So there are, I would say kind of, again, like different threads, different, different spaces and pockets in culture where there are really specific codes and narratives to understand, but then there are kind of, um, Bigger frames at work, um, and so it kind of runs runs the gamut. There are these small, kind of granular um, pieces and parts that you want to understand, but then there's kind of a bigger meta structure many times at work. And how can you sort of, um, you know, structure something that it that all those pieces and parts can kind of come together um, and and form a kind of a, a more cohesive harmony of, of of a narrative that is is resonant. Um, for For consumers or for 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 your audience,
0: yeah, I like that notion earlier when you talked about kind of these semiotic threads and 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 you know that really <laughs> helps you know make sense now why you call yourself fabric uh you know, mm-hmm. when we're thinking about d- different cultures and how they might feed into this and, and you know, earlier as we talked about the NBC uh, project as well. I think the other um, tips that will be especially uh, that the that planners will especially relate to was, you know, your your notion of breaking out of your narrative brain, because I do think, you know, we all come to this with different biases in any project we come to with, with specific biases or um you know preconceived ideas of, of how things might be. Um, also your notion of curiosity, which I think is a really strong, um, persistent theme. You know, the best strategists are those who are curious and willing to step outside of their comfort zone, learn about new things, look at things in a new way, which is um, absolutely what semiotics provides. And I also heard through um, some of your other tips, you know, specifically four and five, uh, noticing when something moves you or does the design have a baby duckling asking that question. That to me sounds like a lot of, um, you know, being very observant, tapping into you know, your, your instinct or your subconscious, uh, having that, having that spidey sense is, is, is that, uh, how would, you, how you would think of it as well?
1: Yeah, I think that's a great way, um, to put it. It really is about, um, starting to move through the world, especially for four and five, you know, and that baby duckling, um, getting out of your brain, getting out of your head and really getting into activating that kind of visceral, um, listening part of your body where it's, it's, um, it is a spidey sense that is kind of, oh, why, why am I having this response? Um, and that might be the way, um, you know, that, the coffee cup is designed to provide a sense of comfort um or 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 whatever but there's something there and really starting to notice um like i said not in a not in a brain way not in your mind not in your head but in in your body um when there's a, an emotional or sensory resonance and um i think that sort of i don't know changes the way that you move through the world a little bit
0: amazing great well, thank you so much uh, for coming on with us today. I really appreciated this perspective. Uh, I love being able to leverage different um, methodologies and approaches to think about things in a new way. So you've certainly given that t- uh, to us today. Awesome. Thank you for having me. It was a lot of fun. <laughs> thank you for joining this week's episode of Grow Up. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, share this episode and leave us a rating on Apple Podcasts.